Placed is a podcast about the geography of the Bible and the geography of our lives. Through story, we'll explore the wilderness and the pastures of the biblical world. As we see how God is at work in every landscape, we'll find our place in the story of Scripture. Welcome to Placed. I'm your host, Kelsa Graybill. You can download a map and show notes for today's episode at my website, kelsagraybill.com. I'm Kelsa Graybell, and welcome to Placed. Today on the show, we're looking at the story of Abram and Sarai in Genesis 11 and 12, and we're looking at the way that a knowledge of geography illuminates the radical faith that they had in order to set out from Ur and Haran in Mesopotamia and travel to the highway land of Canaan. We'll also consider how we respond when we're confronted with our own choice to go and set out without knowing all the details. So let's dive in. I'm wondering if you have ever set out on a journey without a destination and without an arrival date. Now I have some family friends who do this. To them, the idea of planning a vacation seems a bit stressful. And so instead they pack their suitcases, get in the car and start driving and drive however far they feel like driving that day. Now, to me, this kind of vacation sounds more stressful than fun because I would like to anticipate and to plan and to have some control of where I end up. However, they enjoy the spontaneity. Now, this spontaneity is what God invites Abram and Sarai into. He invites them to set out and to go without a destination and an arrival date. Let's look first at why it was such a big deal for him to invite them to leave Ur and Haran in Mesopotamia. You may have heard of Mesopotamia before, the home to the world's first civilizations. Now, some of you I know are already tuning out because civilizations, history, geography was not your thing in school. Hang with me. I promise that an understanding of this geography will totally open up and illuminate the story for you. And what I want you to hear is the way that this geography demonstrates how Abram and Sarai were totally self-sufficient and comfortable where they were. In other words, they had no reason to leave. Mesopotamia is a Greek word. You might know that it means between the rivers. That's because Mesopotamia is the area between the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers, two rivers that flow from the Zagros Mountains in Turkey southeast all the way down to the Persian Gulf near modern-day Iraq and Kuwait. The fact that this area of land is named after the rivers reflects their importance. The rivers are the defining resource for this area. They provide everything. They're almost like a Walmart or an Amazon.com, just a one-stop shop for everything the community needs. They provide irrigation, transportation, trade, and they provide building materials. Now, they have a yearly inundation where the rivers flood and leave a layer of silt on the banks. Although the timing of this inundation is unpredictable, What is predictable is that it is coming and will help provide the resources the community needs. Let's look at some examples. Need to grow your crops? No problem, just wait for the annual flooding and the nutrient-rich silt will provide the perfect fertilizer for your crops to flourish. Need to build your house? Again, not a problem. Form some mud bricks and bake them in the heat of the sun. Need to travel to another city state? 
Again, the river has got your back because you can float down the river and then hike back the international trunk route. Because of the direction of the water flow and the direction of the wind, you unfortunately can't float back, but there is a nice trunk route to walk. I hope that these examples show you the way that everything was provided for Abram and Sarai. With their good old friend the Euphrates, they were thriving, secure, and largely self-sufficient. In fact, they were dwelling in Sumer, an area in the southern portion of Mesopotamia that is the oldest recorded civilization. It's known for its well-developed temples with massive tower-like structures known as ziggurats, as well as schools to train scribes, which was an esteemed profession which we might compare to the role of a doctor in today's society. At some point, Abram and his father Terah moved the family upriver to Haran. However, Haran was still culturally quite similar. It was still on the Euphrates, it actually still worshipped a moon god deity, just like Ur, and it was still a popular trading center. In fact, the name Haran even means caravan. So it was still the good life, still living the dream along the good old Euphrates. In other words, there was no reason for Abram and Sarai to leave this land of Mesopotamia, except that God called them to do so. Let's look at how God called them to go, where God called them to go, and why he called them to go there, when it meant leaving a place with such plentiful resources. You can download a free map of Mesopotamia and Canaan to track Abram and Sarah's journey at kelsagraybill.com. Now for us, in the era of airplane travel, it's relatively easy to go somewhere new. We can book a ticket and pop on over to visit friends and family. Most of us don't depend on our land for food, so it's not a problem for us to go somewhere else. And we don't associate God's presence with our specific backyard or square of land. But back then, they did. Land represented the inheritance that you would pass on to your children and grandchildren. It represented your livelihood, where you could grow your crops, graze your animals, but most importantly, it represented where your God dwelled. And so land was essential. Travel took a long time. You couldn't just book an airplane ticket. So leaving his land to take such a long journey was a massive deal. And I imagine Abram asking God, oh, okay, so do you want me to leave my 401k and my bank account and my stocks behind too? Anything else, God? Because this is such a radical command that God is giving to him. And it goes against the grain of Abram's culture and their understanding of land. But God says, no, Abram, this is counterintuitive. Actually, by leaving your land, which should be your livelihood, I will bless you. By leaving, you will become great. And by leaving, you will be a blessing to all the families of the earth. Abram's faith in this scene amazes me. He doesn't argue. He doesn't ask for an explanation. He doesn't ask for a ticket with an arrival date and a destination. He goes without knowing because he knows the one who goes with him. So that's how Abram went. He went by faith without knowing and in fact went against the grain of what his culture believed about land. Now let's look at where he goes and how this new land is different than Mesopotamia. This new land may have been disappointing to Abram and Sarai at first. It was a younger civilization and it wasn't as culturally developed. I imagine Sarah's disappointment riding on a camel as she looks around. 
Where are the temples, Abram? She'd ask. Where are the ziggurats? It was the equivalent of moving from New York City to rural, small town without any cell phone service. But most critically, it was lacking water. There was no good old Euphrates, which is eight times longer than the Jordan. The Jordan, which snakes through the land of Canaan, is a trickle by comparison. It doesn't have the same level of massive flooding. It also doesn't provide the same level of building materials. It's more swampy than it does plentiful mud or even trees for wood. And because the height of it changes so rapidly, transportation is not possible. You can't sail down the Jordan. Perhaps most shockingly of all, the whole country of Canaan relies on rain. It's also a highway land. It's straddling Europe, Africa, and Asia, and it's going to be caught in a tug of war between larger nations such as Sumer and Egypt. This is why scholar James Munson calls it a land between. Abram and Sarai probably thought it was just a highway to get to the land, certainly not the land itself. And yet their travels led them down the ridge route. The ridges were the top of these massive, rocky core of Cenomanian limestone, this really hard rock that comprises the core of the land of Canaan. And they would have traveled along this watershed ridge on the top of the mountains. And along this route, so many famous Old Testament events occur. You might recall some of these places, such as Shechem or Bethel. And this ridge route actually is called by some scholars the Patriarchal Highway, because the patriarchs and their families traveled down it. When Abram and Sarai are stopped one night off the highway in the town of Shechem, God comes up to them with good news. Abram, Sarah, you're here. This is it. This is where you'll raise your kids and your grandkids. This is where you'll shepherd your flocks. And I love Abram and Sarah's response. They don't bring up the fact that they have no kids and grandkids. And in fact, they're too old to have any. Instead, they celebrate and they rejoice and they build an altar, a religious place of offering sacrifices of thanksgiving to a deity. Even though, in contrast to Ur and Haran, Canaan was this rather disappointing place, this highway land with fewer resources and less water and less cultural development, they rejoiced and they embraced the fact that God had led them there. But we never totally see in their lifetime why God led them there. So looking at the rest of scripture, let's consider for a minute, why did God lead them there? Why would he take them to a place that was poor in resources, that was less culturally developed? The answer lies in the fact that it is a highway land and that it does have fewer resources. Because first of all, God is calling them to depend on him. He's calling them in the midst of need and scarcity to learn what it means to receive their daily bread from him. And being there in this place of need, they will learn to rely on him, to know him and to trust him like never before. It will be transformational to their relationship. Second of all, this highway land is exactly where God needs them to be so that his blessing can travel out to the world. 
You see, if Abram and Sarah had remained tucked away in Mesopotamia, God's blessing would have only touched them. But here in this highway land at the crossroads of the nations, God's blessing is poised to travel out to the whole world. Israel will be a mixing point for cultures, for civilizations, for armies, and for peoples. And all of these people will receive the opportunity to come in contact with the news of blessing. See, Abram didn't know when he would arrive or even where he was going when he set out, rather like my friends and their vacation strategy. But Abram's steps of faith literally positioned him and the nation of Israel to be a beacon, to be a light to the nations. They were poised to deliver their message to every land because of Abram's faith. And just in case we miss God's incredible plan for Abram and the world, the author of Genesis repeats the word for blessing more times than any other book of the Bible. No matter how confusing or how radical this plan seems, the author wants us to know that God is intent on blessing Abram and through him blessing the whole world. What about us? What about when we're called into places with fewer resources, when we'd really rather be somewhere with more resources? What about when we're called out of self-sufficiency into dependence? What about when we're called to live by the side of a highway, when we'd really rather settle down back home close to family? The story of Abram reminds us that even when we don't have the full picture and all of the explanations we would like, God knows exactly where he is leading us. Many of us have experienced a sense of being uprooted during the COVID-19 pandemic. I know I have. In 2020, I bought a beautiful planner. I filled it with dates of upcoming celebrations, family reunions, and vacations. And like you, I invested in Whiteout as one by one, I had to remove these events from my calendar. In 2021, I bought a really cheap planner and I've been writing in it with pencil. But the story of Abram reminds me that writing in pencil is a spiritual discipline. It's an invitation to follow the steps of Abram, to surrender my expectations and my timelines to God. He can see the whole picture. And this same God who called Abram is calling me. The same God who placed Abram is placing me. The story of Abram encourages my heart and awakens my trust. In these moments like the past two years, when he calls me out of my secure, self-sufficient comfort zone, he's calling me and you into a bigger story than we can possibly imagine. And like Abram and Sarah, we can go without knowing all the details because we know the one who goes with us. We can walk into highway lands of dependence because we know that there we will experience more of him and there we will be poised to share more of him. Next episode, we'll be following the story of Abram's grandson, Jacob, exploring why he leaves the land of promise which his grandfather traveled to and how returning to the land of promise brings him face to face with the mistakes and failures of his past. We'll also examine how the thresholds of our lives can open us to God's grace in new ways and radically remake us. 
Join us next time as we look at the geography of Gilead and Edom. Whether today you are wandering through the wilderness, making your home in a highway land, or resting beside green pastures, may you know the comfort and calling of the one who places us. Subscribe now to receive new episodes every Thursday and help us out by leaving a review to invite others to journey with us. You can download the show notes and a beautiful watercolor map of today's episode at my website, kelsagraybell.com. I'm Kelsa Graybell, and thanks for listening to Placed.